Hello, everyone. This is episode 10 of the Godzilla Roundtable because we're covering the 10th movie Ooh. of Godzilla. As always, you're joined by me, Mulder, otherwise known as Faye, as well as... Todd here, And Crash here again. Wow, Todd, we're dropping the real name. <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know if I was allowed to do that. <laughs> and I am very honored here to have a very special guest, David from Kaiju Apostle Podcast. Well, hello. <laughs> <laughs> this is a second intro because, of course, the Godzilla noob would have issues. Stairs. But anyways, <laughs> but anyways, David is very special because David is who got me into the wider Godzilla fandom, where I went from being like Luke and Octo in The Last Jedi, <laughs> where I was like, go away, to like, okay, maybe everyone outside of my circle is cool. Maybe. Yeah, I'd say that's actually pretty accurate. With our first conversation, it took a minute to get you to even talk to me. <laughs> yeah, that's just how I am. I'm just very, go away. And now I'm, I'm, I'm starting to open up, of course, like with this. But anyways, as with all of our guests, David, we always start with, how did you get into Godzilla? Um, I got it from my mama, uh, literally. So... <laughs> My mom actually grew up watching Godzilla films as a mm -hmm. teenager. Uh, she would go to the drive-in. I think her first Godzilla movie she saw in the drive-in was Godzilla vs. Megalon. So oh, when I was younger, I mean, even two years old, you know, I was watching the original, you know, well, I guess the American original black and white King of the Monsters. Mm -hmm. um, we would go to the library and they had that, uh, God, what was his name? Ian Thorne that really mm -hmm. air-riddled book. Um, but I'd always check oh, yeah. that out. I mean, I was, you know, just... My my parents were really big into supporting my love mm -hmm. for monsters right off the, <clears throat> right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Funny enough, with that book in particular, I, I read that as a kid, so I also have fond memories of it. And when my library was just throwing out old books, um, uh, they knew that I liked that. So I actually have the complete collection of that series, <laughs> including the Godzilla book. Do you? Because didn't they have one with like the Wolfman and Frankenstein yes. and stuff like that too? Yes. Yeah, it was always that orange like aesthetic yes. to it. <laughs> yeah, it's super Halloween. I love them. I have like pretty much all of them. It, it's amazing. I'm so glad I have them. That's awesome. Because they're such they're such unique pieces of kaiju history, <laughs> especially back when it was hard to get like proper information on them. Oh yeah, because I still remember those days. When it was a little bit like looking through like a jungle for proper information, yeah. even if there's funny stuff there, like Angulus. No, no, not even Angulus. Anzilla. <laughs> I forgot about that. And 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 the Godzilla from Raids again being a girl, and the King Kong vs. Godzilla, Godzilla being a new one. Amazing stuff. <laughs> All this new lore doesn't actually exist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh crash one of these days i need to show you all of that stuff <laughs> but anyways i could be here reminiscing about the old days forever so this episode is about a very special godzilla movie for a very special guest mm. all monsters attack <laughs> otherwise known in america for the longest time as godzilla's revenge this movie is very divisive <laughs> and i think this will be seen in our rankings so <laughs> David, do you want to give me your rating for All Monsters Attack first? Yeah. So, how do you guys remind me? Is uh, what kind of rating scale here? Uh, oh, one through ten. One through ten. Okay. So, on a five point scale, I was at a four. Mm -hmm. 
But if we went mm-hmm. out of 10, I would probably be about an eight and a half, to be honest. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now to now to give the biggest contrast, Crash, what would you, what would you rate all monsters attack? Um, <laughs> I don't want to be mean, but I just do it. Give just it do a it. Five out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the worst it could have been. I was, I was expecting a four, to be honest, Crash. <laughs> I'm kind of pleasantly surprised. All right. Time for time for me and Tom the moderates, even though I peeked at his letterbox, <laughs> so I know what he's gonna give it. Yeah, so for me it was a seven out of ten. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm I'm more on David's end. For me, it's an eight out of ten. I really find this movie really charming. There was charm to it, I will admit. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I feel like the biggest thing I need to get out of the way with all his attack just because it's such a crux to the movie as a whole, is the fact that this movie is technically, quote-unquote, non-canon in an era where canon didn't matter too much. But this one, unlike the previous Godzilla movies and what would come later, is set in our world. It's not set in, in, in the world of kaiju and monsters and other similar things. It's about a young boy growing up in 1960s Japan in the later era of the of their of their basically economic miracle and how he deals with that and how he uses Godzilla to cope with it in a way, I'd say. And I think that's a big reason for this movie's divisiveness because it's less a Godzilla movie and it's more like one of Honda's dramas. Yeah, I think that's really it. That's something I I, I take into account that like <laughs> it probably was my link <laughs> because it it was it's not a Godzilla like a standard Godzilla film and that's kind of the point. It's his own thing. Yeah. So I don't hold that against it. <laughs> all right david how do you feel about that aspect because i know that you really enjoy that yeah from what you've said so i haven't watched any of honda's older films that aren't mm-hmm. sci-fi or monster related but going through his biography it's it's clear that his focus is on people it's on a story it's yeah. on those small intimate moments that you know like you think about the original right so mm-hmm. you know one, you know one of those scenes for me you know, it was obviously with the mother and her children or even just, you know, the small comments on the bus where it's like, you know, I avoided the war and now this, like there's just those small mm-hmm. moments is really what makes Honda a great filmmaker. Yeah. So with this, you're, you're right. It's, it's definitely something that it's not a typical Godzilla film. You're right. It's not set in that world. All these other movies mm-hmm. were in, but that's its strength because we've already seen that so many times now, right? I can't imagine yeah. how burned out Honda was making film after yeah. film after film, especially Destroy All Monsters. Like, it's a fun film, but yeah. Jesus Christ, like... It's, <laughs> it, it's not deep. No. It's not deep. It's just, it's, it's, it's honestly, it's a little run of the mill. And I, it, yeah. it seems like it was, I mean, it was really supposed to be the last one, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. let's just make this as yeah. crazy as possible. And when they got him back, and, he's mm-hmm. like, all right, fine. I'm going to make the movie I want to make, just like he did with Matongo. Yeah. And we get something mm-hmm. unique. We get something heartfelt. And mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And I think on that point, especially, I think another bit of just context to add also is that this film was made purposefully for the Champion Festival, which was mm-hmm. a film festival for children. Mm-hmm. Like, like Kondo was commissioned to make an intro film for, for kids. And I think... 
the fact that he managed to interject so much commentary into it with that, I find impressive, but I'll continue on that later. Ton, what do you think of this aspect of it? Um, so I find it really interesting. Like, like we've discussed before, Godzilla is just a franchise where you can really just kind of experiment and do anything with it. And you see that mm-hmm. a lot in modern works, but in here, I think is the, well, yeah, I'd say this is kind of the first, like, really out there experiment that's a little work. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's set in our world, and it's not so much a Godzilla movie in the traditional sense as it is a drama with Godzilla mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting to see how Honda just kind of fully delves into that idea. It really makes it mm-hmm. work in a sense of Mm-hmm. It's very unique. Yeah. It is. I'm still and just impre- I, oh, oh, sorry. oh, sorry. Go on. No, I just go we, on. we talked about this with you know our show. I'm just still so impressed how quickly they made this because I'm sure you saw yes. that in the biography. But you know, you turn in the first script, draft a script, September 17th. You film October mm-hmm. 11th, and it's released December 20th. Right? I mean, there's it, there, it was very quickly made. Yeah, there's no way a film <laughs> shot that quickly should be of this quality. There's just no way. Yeah. And something else really that's also impressed to me is that sadly, unfortunately, like I was telling um Fun and Crash when we were watching it, A.G. Subaraya, this is the first time A.G. Subaraya had basically no involvement in a Godzilla film at all. Mm-hmm. Not even coming in to look, not even like having like a little bit of an influence. Um, because unfortunately at this time, E.G. Subaraya was starting to, be starting to become sick. Yeah. So he was not able to contribute anything. So with Shiro Honda... And one of Subarai's protégés, I forget which one, because he had two, where who did the special effects work for this film. And Ishiro Honda is not a special effects guy at all. Nope. That is not his place. And so the fact that the special effects work the way they do in this film makes me kind of forgiving of the amount of stock footage they have to put into this mm-hmm. to pad it out and make it work. Because really, the pressure and burden that was on Honda for this film was immense. Yeah. Well, Super I did help with the editing at the end, though. So, I mean, that's something. You oh, know. he did? Okay, mm-hmm. that I didn't know. That's yeah, so he didn't do actually anything on set, but by the time mm-hmm. the film was at that point for editing, he was able to contribute a little bit, so. All right, that's interesting. So, what did you guys think of the stock footage? Because I know, I'm a, for you two, it was... A lot. <laughs> there was a lot of it. It was like it's kind of like a Godzilla's greatest moment compilation. It was nice. Yeah, they put in the Condor fight, right? Yes, they did. <laughs> and his little funky groove dance, and I ever yeah. think, and yeah. so much in the mantises. Uh, it was yeah. kind of like we've seen this before, but it was kind of fun looking back. At mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a classic moment. Yeah, ton. Well, so as a fan of anime. Kind of get used to seeing stock footage a lot, and I really like how they creatively worked in it. Certainly, with the production of the scale, budget, time crunch, it's mm-hmm. understandable why they use it. So, I'm not the biggest fan of stock footage, but I will say it was at least well mm-hmm. used here. None of the clips felt like out of place. No, yeah. yeah. So I and. Like with the stock footage, I also I've I've always liked the reading of it. And I'm sure you've heard this, David. That the read that 
if we were to take it as from like just from the film's point of view, that it's basically Ichiro um, imagining all the scenes he's seen yeah. from Godzilla, which I like. Mm-hmm. I like that reading. Especially if it's because none of the scenes go back further than Ibra, which would make sense with his age in the film. Huh. Yeah, that's actually really good. I didn't think about that. So I always like like that reading of the film, and it makes me more forgiving of the stock footage, too, when you look at it from that point of view. Mm-hmm. Which I guess gets us to another point, which is the characters. And I guess I'm going to start with the big divisive one first, and that is the fact that in this movie, Minya talks. <laughs> Crash, I'm going to let you unload first because I know how you feel about Minya. <laughs> I like that you pressed it a bit, yeah. Um, that caught me completely off guard. I was not like, well, I guess I kind of knew Minya was the main character, but I didn't know Minya was going to talk. So it was really funny when Minya started talking with this super soothing, chill voice. It's like, hello, I am Minya. Shit, this is not what I expected Minya to sound like. <laughs> it was really funny, but it's mm-hmm. like, you know, Minya speaks like hard facts. Like, Minya's straight to the point talking to the kid. <laughs> it's, it's really yeah. funny. It's like on the outside, Minya's like a fucking dork and you can't understand him. But once you speak his <laughs> language, <laughs> he's talking real shit. It's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> Ton, I, I know you're also caught off guard by Minya talking, so what do you think of uh, that aspect? Yeah, Minya talking really caught me by surprise. Um, so, like, we've had... Um, That's coming in the future. Don't spoil Crash. I need him to not know <laughs> which oh, movie it is where they talk again. No, no, I mean, when they talk this large... Oh, I'm a Ghidorah. Yeah, Ghidorah. Ghidorah. So, I guess I should have saw it coming. Um, mm-hmm. but it, yeah, like once you get past kind of the initial shock of it, it it's like, oh, okay, tops, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I I like the kind of character Minya shows, so I hate it. <laughs> but it was Minya mm-hmm. also uses the classic anime style of making young boys have female voice actors. Mm-hmm. But I feel like for Minya, you can kind of tell more than usual. But I I, I don't really mind it. In the Japanese version, personally, I prefer it over the Barney voice from the dub. <laughs> to yeah. be honest, the Barney voice is kind of what I expect Mini to sound like if he talks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David, how do you feel about uh, about Minya talking in this? Well, uh, as of our most recent episode, Church uh, Chris and I have converted to the Church of Minya, mm-hmm. so he is now the High Priest <laughs> Minya. Um, <laughs> Honestly, I don't have an issue with it because if you really think about it in the context of the film, he's just projecting yeah. his own feelings and thoughts onto this character, mm-hmm. right? So, it, yeah, I mean, I, I've never really had an issue with Minya. I think the only thing I said with you know Son mm-hmm. of Godzilla is when he comes out of the egg, he's super moist super and disgusting, moist. and that was kind of our descriptor there. But yeah. as a whole, I mean, he's he's a fun character. Um, I, I will say. I love all of the uh, the Ultraman influences mm. on this movie and Ultra 7 influences yeah. now too. So like when he jumps off the... Just continually his changing of size reminds me of Ultra 7 quite a bit. Um, yeah. But just as a character, he's fun. So I've, I've got no complaints. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I can't believe I'm going to go psychological with, with Minya here. <laughs> but, one, but one could view Minya, like you were saying, David, as the manifestation of Ichiro's like ego, Eid, super ego, et cetera, et cetera, just all manifested into how he's thinking. Like you can even see it more. Like I remember Ton, 
you laughed when they revealed the bully's name was also Gabra, <laughs> but it fits because Gabra is more a symbol of Ichiro's problems mm-hmm. yeah. in the movie. Well, but it's, it's more than that. So you think about mm-hmm. in the film, you know, Ichiro, and I think this is brought up in the biography where, you know, Ichiro is never close to his father, right? There's always this kind of distance yeah. there. You know, the, the, the dad talks about, you know, he wishes his son was more assertive. You see all these comments. So then mm-hmm. in the film, Minya talks about how he's scared of disappointing Godzilla. You know, Godzilla's trying to get him to toughen up a bit. You know, he's like, mm-hmm. I have to learn how to fight my own battles. And that's what we see with Ichiro. He, he does learn how to fight mm-hmm. his own battles. So it's the whole yeah. parallel there. There's, it's, that is exactly what it is, is he views Minya mm-hmm. as himself and Godzilla is actually his dad throughout the whole film. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that kind of continues, I guess, with the Minya stuff also. Okay, I'm going to say that because I think that's really interesting, but I don't want to get too off topic. Um, so I guess I'll take it to Gabra. Crash, what did you think of Gavra? I wish he had a tail. He'd probably look cooler that way. <laughs> but <laughs> he's uh, a toad. He can't have a tail he's though. He's a toad? He's supposed to yeah. be a toad? Yeah, I told you. Oh yeah. Yeah, I told well, you that. I would not have known that unless <laughs> he told me. I, I did not get that. Even though it does say he's like running with his tail between his legs, and I'm like, Ichiro, yeah. are you not paying attention to biology, a dumbass? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite part about him is I like his electric feathers. I think they're pretty cool. Unique, the way they're kind yeah, of like centralized are. in him, as opposed to like shooting yeah. them out. I think that's unique. Mm-hmm. And apparently, said it's the only time he ever shows up, which is kind of yes. Gavra has not shown up since <laughs> he's kind of dorky looking, but he could come back. <laughs> He'd be cool. I've seen some cool reinventions of him. That's what I'm saying. If Angiris could get such a glow up and destroy all monsters, <laughs> I think so could Gabra. That is yeah. so accurate. That definitely was a glow <laughs> it up. Is. It was. <laughs> Ton, what did you think of Gabra? Uh, yeah. So, Gabra is very much kind of like a more budget type. <laughs> yeah. Kind of has, yeah. like <laughs> has like a TV Ultraman quality to it. Mm-hmm. So, that kind of gives him a Oh, Ton, Ton, you just inadvertently insulted Ultraman. We're going to get swarmed by 12 year olds. Bring him on. Yeah, bring him on. <laughs> But um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, his what? I like how much thought kind of went into what is basically a one-off character, the electricity mm-hmm. powers. Um, kind of his rivalry with Minion, mm-hmm. and story-wise too, what he represents is really interesting. Yeah. So I like it. I'll take the next. Mm-hmm. All right, David. What did you think of Gabra? Um. I want to save my opinion for when we actually get into the bully element because that's okay, kind of where, okay. where my thoughts come in. But as right, a design, so, so that um, mm-hmm. yeah, but as a design, though, I was thinking about it. I mean, he's actually mm-hmm. pretty well made. Um, the one thing mm-hmm. is, you know, you get people who will insult this film, but that suit alone looks better than 90% of the Gamera monsters. So I'm just like, you can't yeah. really complain too much. I would agree. And I guess that brings us to the other characters, which there isn't a ton of. But I guess I'd say, how do you feel about um uh, the old man, the toy maker who helps Ichiro? Shunpei! <laughs> yes. He's pretty chill. Yeah. He's a really fun character. I really like him because he has this really kindly quality. 
And I think Honda kind of knows it. Sometimes those characters can come off as creepy, of course. <laughs> yeah, you definitely got to do them unfortunately, right. I think when you... Yeah, because unfortunately... Oh, sorry, I, say, I think when you have, like, a kind of, like, nice mentor character that, like, kid could, could, mm-hmm. could look up to, especially when, like, they don't have a parent figure until he's there. Like, obviously, his dad. I mm-hmm. think it works really nice. And I think in this one, he doesn't... Luckily, he doesn't come off as, like, weird or creepy. He comes off as yeah. really friendly. Like, mom, obviously, trusts him. I was like, okay, you watch over him for tonight and be busy again. Yeah. I think he's, yeah. I like him. I like him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ton, what did you think of him? Oh, uh, yeah, Shifei's great. Like, uh, like Crash, like you guys said, he's kind of like a character that's hard to pull off. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's kind of, mm-hmm. but, you know, he feels like that nice little grandpa character. You know, just yeah. Like, you can really see, it was, how, how was mm-hmm. it? It's kind of interesting just kind of seeing how culturally mm-hmm. Japan, like how, but you get that feeling of that friendly neighborhood trust, which yeah. Japanese. That's a really big thing. What it like, like that reminds me of in Totoro, how the kindly old lady, um, uh, gets called grandma by the main characters because that's just kind of like the culture of Japan. And like, oh yeah, you know, I did get reminded because he does call him uncle. Um, uh, Ichiro calls um, uh, shoot, we literally just said his name and I'm blanking. It's Shinpei. been a long time. Shinpei. Shinpei, yeah, because he calls Shinpei uncle at the end, so that did remind me. And yeah, just just so I could give my thoughts real quick on Shinpei, he's really fun. Like I said, they really managed to nail it where he feels natural and not too much and not too creepy. He just feels like a nice neighbor who knows that Ichiro's going through it. And I like how he tries to advise him. Like he says, your parents aren't here not because they don't like you. They're here because they're, they're working and they're trying to like keep a roof above your head. And I like that element. David, what did you think of him? Yeah, so obviously you guys aren't going through the other kaiju films. You're just going through all the Godzilla ones right now. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> we had just got done watching King Kong Escapes and he's the villain mm-hmm. in that. And he does oh, yeah, a he phenomenal is. job. And then you come into here and it's the complete opposite character. So I love it. Um, Cause he was in yeah. uh, Ebra as well. He was uh, one of the bad guys in there. He was. Um, oh, huh. But uh, yeah, I Interesting. just, as, I, I, I did not recognize mm-hmm. him. Yeah. That and uh, with Ghidorah, the three headed monster, he was uh, one mm-hmm. of the butlers in that film too. I don't know if you remember that. Oh yeah, he was. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, I remember so, so as a character, I mean, I think that kind of gets into the whole. You're, you actually brought up Totoro, and that was a really good point. Um, with the, mm-hmm. the older older woman there, you know, she's helping out mm-hmm. because, in a, in a sense, they almost have a very similar family dynamic. Where obviously the mother's sick because of her illness, but the dad's always mm-hmm. working, right? So they yeah. they end up almost becoming latchkey kids through a different. Mm-hmm different means um so that's kind of where shinpei steps in because he realizes like hey you know your parents are trying to do this to help out but he Mm -hmm. also knows how important it is to have adults around so the fact that he's taking Mm -hmm. his time and his money you know and his resources Mm -hmm. to invest into ichiro is awesome i mean that's just kind of we we don't see that nowadays because we are so individualistic but you know in the 60s especially japan there's a big communal element so i i definitely like that inclusion of character for sure same i realized i forgot to say my thoughts on gabra so i'll say that real quick and then i'll get into the other villains of, of the story gabra is a really fun monster who if i did not know from twitter 
was a toad. I would have never thought that. <laughs> That's no, right. me neither. But I do love his, <laughs> but I do love his pug face and like the little horns and the electricity and stuff. And his red hair is really neat because you don't see too many kaiju with only a little bit of hair. It's it's interesting. But anyway, speaking of villains, the main villains of the story really is not Gabra. In in a sense, the main villain really. Are, are the two robbers who end up kidnapping Ichiro, oh, yeah. which is really crazy and fucked up. What do you think about it? <laughs> Crash, what did you think of the robbers? robbers um, mm-hmm. they stole the car. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they kind of fumbled around a lot. Luckily, they didn't kill anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I thought they were a little boring, but they, they but they did. They did their purpose. They kidnapped the kid mm-hmm. and helped them go to a little dream. Think about Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. Son, what did you think of the robbers? I remember you had a lot to say about them. Yeah, so I'll, that's actually one of those things I'll highly compliment you on. Um, when I first, when they first kind of started getting excited, I was kind of rolling my eyes like, oh boy, here comes the home alone little kid versus the bumbling idiots plot <laughs> that we've seen in every kid's movie. But then it's like, they actually yeah, kidnap they a child. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. actually kidnap him. They threaten him a lot. And Ichiro genuinely gets terrified of these men. They, well, ultimately, he, didn't they pull out a knife on him? Mm-hmm. I forget. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. twice, actually. Damn. So, I guess well, I was shot by kind of like the, uh, I guess to use the TV trope here, sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of that adult fear moment where it's like, mm-hmm. even in the lightness of the movie, it never feels too dark. As an adult, the idea of just a grown man, two grown men breaking into your house and threatening your child with a knife is terrifying. Yeah. So it is. I could easily, so I compliment Honda making his, what's usually kind of a bumbling trope, which is really low-key mm-hmm. terrifying. Mm-hmm. David, did you have any thoughts on the robbers? Yeah, so I, I'm going to agree with that. I think a lot of times that trope can be pretty, especially think of like Home Alone, right? We talked about that in yeah. our episode. This is almost like the Home Alone of Godzilla movies. Um, but if you think <laughs> about a few years prior to this, you would have had Akira Kurosawa's High and Low, where they handle mm-hmm. the child abduction story plot a lot more seriously. So I say that mm-hmm. just because you have a film like that and then you have all monsters attack. So Hondo is actually able mm-hmm. to capture the gravity of that without it being too slapstick. I mean, there's definitely some mm-hmm. humor, but it's a kid's film, so you can't have it be too traumatic yeah. either. Um, yeah. But I definitely, uh, there wasn't mm-hmm. a lot of depth there, but that was the point, right? They weren't supposed mm-hmm. to be yeah. very compelling or sympathetic characters. So you didn't really mm-hmm. get much out of it. And I'm not really yeah. going to complain about that. Mm-hmm. I have a song on the robbers, but I'll save it for seams. So I guess before I get into that, I'll close off, of course, with the main character, Ichiro. And I guess I'll go first. I'm, uh, on the robbers, I have to agree with, agree with what everyone said, and I'll say more with the seams. But with Ichiro, I have to say, I really like him. I find him likable. He's just <laughs> charming. He's a cute little kid. Great. For sure. <laughs> He and he, I guess, especially because I feel like because I watched him first as a kid and I enjoyed it. When you're a kid, you can really relate to him and like his love for Godzilla and the fact that he gets picked on for liking Godzilla so much in a way. And he's kind of the outcast. He's just really spunky and likable. Like, yeah, I know people complain about him, yada yada yada. But he's a kid. 
He's doing kids things, and he's a really good child actor. He's really good. And I just also really like how realistic he feels. Like, even with the robbers, he doesn't just go like, okay, I'm totally fine. Like, I like the fact that he cries when he gets rescued. I like that he's a little bit, like, whiny. It just really makes him feel like a real kid. I also really loved a little bit of how his mom tells him to do his homework, and he never does his homework the entire movie. <laughs> he just never does it, and I love that. <laughs> Crash, what did you think of Achiro? He had big Earth energy. He was a good kid. I liked it. <laughs> Oh yeah, he does kind of. He does kind of. He's got look a hat. Like Ness. And he, he's, got, he's got the shorts. He's, he's nurse okay. Yeah, but yeah, he 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 had so he, much charm. You know, just a kid. He found mm-hmm. something he fell in love with. He loves. He talks about all the time. Thinks about all the time. I think that's something a lot of us can relate to as kids. Whenever we found like yeah. that one property and that one character we really like, even if you pick me, mm-hmm. it was really cute. <laughs> it was really cute. And yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah, he definitely. He made he made a present. I love seeing his little dream sequences and everything, and him Same. cheering on Minya. It was cute. Yeah. Ton, what did you think of Ichiro? Um, yeah, I gotta agree. Um, I really liked Ichiro. Um, key characters are always kind of hit or miss, depending on how you write. Yeah, mm-hmm. Ichiro is like you said; he's authentic. He feels like a real kid. Loves Godzilla. He's mm-hmm. never like. He never feels like overly tropey or unrealistic. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. his actor's really good. Just, I could see, he definitely seems like what your average Godzilla fan in the 60s kid would be like. Mm-hmm. Which is really interesting. How yeah. Kaneko, the, 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 the original days. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke literally only me, David, and maybe Ton get. But anyways, <laughs> David, I know you've been a staunch defender of Ichiro and his acting. So what did you think of Ichiro? Uh, so you're right. He's he's a phenomenal child actor. I think Honda mm-hmm. being able to get a performance like that out of a child actor is just mind-blowing. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he's as innocent as people make him out to be. And that's kind of why, like I said, mm-hmm. once we get into the bully element, I'll get into that a little bit <laughs> yeah. more. Um, yeah. Well, it, it's, yeah. but the thing is, it starts before that. And that's what I realized mm-hmm. um, here recently. But mm-hmm. as a whole, I mean, he's he's dealing with a lot, right? You know, his, his mom's yeah. always at work. His dad's always at work. He's being raised by an old man. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's dealing with a lot. So it's very clear that this kidnapping just taking so much out of him too. So you're right. Like I like yeah. seeing his displays of emotion, but as a whole, I mean, he's just, he's a fun little spunky kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've got some uh, controversial thoughts to share here in a little bit. <laughs> and I guess that's a great intro into what I think is the main crux of why I actually enjoy a launch attack, which is the somatic elements. And I guess I'm going to get up on my soapbox here and talk about what I really appreciate semantically with a launch attack. And that is really, is that it is Honda's basically guide to life for latchkey kids. Which for a bit of history, because I told Ton, but I don't I, but I don't think I told you, Crash. Um, as a result of Japan's post-war economic miracle, there was a lot of jobs and a lot of need for labor. So that kind of led to a lot of parents working and kind of leaving their kids to roam. And this became a term called latchkey kids, where kids would just go to school, get home, take care of themselves, 
and not really see their parents much. And by modern standards, somewhat almost cold neglect, I'd feel like. And I think Ichiro and Almost an Attack in general is kind of about that. Like, it's very much addressing the fact that this is a great issue. Like, for example, the reason why um, uh, when the scene at the end where Ichiro's mother starts to cry, I put the sad face, that's because that scene means a lot. Because, like, Ichiro's mom has her emotional pull to stay with her kid. Obviously, her kid got kidnapped by two people who would have killed him. Like, of course, she's like, I, I don't want to do this night job anymore. But Ichiro says, but if you do it, you're doing it so we can have money. And, like, she knows that's true as well. And I think that's a really complicated idea to put in a kid's film and to tell kids at the time that, yeah, you're alone, but it's not because their parents don't love you. It's because they have no other choice. And it's basically a criticism of, of Japanese capitalism, which Honda very much likes to do, as seen in Macho vs. Godzilla and before that, in King Kong vs. Godzilla. But I think Omanshu's attack, in a way, manages to be the most poignant criticism of it, if that makes sense. And there's some other scenes, but I'll, I'll let us talk about that scene specifically first. Crash, do you want to go first? About what? What about what I just said? <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think you got a point, yeah, by the end. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> it definitely has a good. <laughs> I was just gonna say compared to like some of the other guys that look you see where they try to end with like a theme or more. It's just kind of like pointless. Mm-hmm. This one definitely has a really strong end to the theme, especially there because yeah. like it's it's weird because like she's sad, the mom's sad, but you know she's right. So it does have that kind of poignant, yeah. sad feeling to it. Mm-hmm. And obviously, as you said before, the way the kid kind of projects and deals with all like his emotions, you know, via his imagination. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's def- you you're right. It's definitely with a lot of theme to it, and a lot of heart. Yeah, especially. it is. Ton, do you have anything to say about that scene specifically that I mentioned? Uh, yeah, it's a really. I think, like Crash said, there's mm-hmm. all these kind of moments with guys that just kind of have that little bit where they explain their moral theme or mm-hmm. the idea that went into it, and that really just pulls together. Like you have. Ichiro's mm-hmm. mother just realized, like you said, you know, her son was kidnapped and she was off working, and mm-hmm. I just really devastates her. And I, it, it was felt like it's, it's such an interesting way how Honda explores like the relationships that she kids have. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a lot of like children's works. Mm-hmm. It's, it often comes from the perspective of like a nostalgic adult remembering the good old days. So. Mm-hmm. Child characters have problems. Mm-hmm. What problems they do have aren't big because, hey, your kid, life's great. But mm-hmm. here you just kind of have this really blunt, it's like, you know, life is always great or ideal. Mm-hmm. And I do like how the film is not, like, it's not a condemnation of each mm-hmm. other's parents, but mm-hmm. it's kind of just really explores just the weight of their relationship. Yeah. All right, David. I know you definitely have a lot to say about this. Yeah. Uh, so I'll let you go. I'm going to echo what Tan just said. So with mm-hmm. our episode, we we're discussing that, yes, it is a critique of capitalism, but really it's it's a critique mm-hmm. more of the pressures that capitalism puts on yeah. families, right? Mm-hmm. So you see his parents, they want to make money to get out of town. 
They want to get away from the yeah. pollution, this and that. They have their laundry list of things. But at the end of the yeah. day, you know, as any parent, because I, for some, to give you a little context, my dad was in the Air Force, so he would leave sometimes for a year mm-hmm. at a time. Um, and then my mom sometimes would work till seven, eight o'clock at night. So mm-hmm. in a way, I was latchkey kid for, you know, a couple of years of my life. Um, just because I'd have to put myself to bed. I'd have to put myself on school bus. You know, you know, just things mm-hmm. like that. I, I, but I didn't have an elderly gentleman down the hall to help me out, right? I was out in the country. Yeah. No one was there. Mm-hmm. So I just, I say that because, you know, you think like you want to give your family the best life, but then you look back and you're like, you're never going to have that time back. Like mm-hmm. you're never going to be able to have those moments again. So I think it's a, a critique on the pressures of feeling like you need to provide for your family. But ultimately, the best thing you can give for your family mm-hmm. is not money. It's not things. It's your time. It's your attention. It's not a condemnation mm-hmm. against the parents. But if the parents would have been present, would Idra have been kidnapped? Very unlikely. No. Right? Yeah. So you have that. But then you also have the bullies as well, right? They're, I, I can yeah. guarantee you, even Gabra was a latchkey kid. You know, you had the, the female yeah. character, the female kid. Um, her, her mom yeah. was walking around, so her mom was present. But those kids yeah. weren't going to be banding together if they didn't have something unified. And they were unified mm-hmm. most likely because their parents were in very similar situations. So they're all, you know, dealing with a lack of parental structure in their life. They're all lacking some kind of stability in the home. And this society was not prepared to give them the tools and the resources mm-hmm. to deal with these things properly. So that's why we see mm-hmm. this conflict with those characters. Um, so again, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's necessarily a critique of capitalism, like we did see with like a Mothra versus Godzilla. I think mm-hmm. even Honda would acknowledge that capitalism can have its benefits. But I think this yeah. is one of those things where he's really being like, Hey, like if you get too far down this road of trying to gain mm-hmm. and possess and succeed, there will be cost to that. And it's mm-hmm. not always something that you're going to be able yeah. to recoup. Yeah. And I think also though, with the capitalism, and I don't think, and I've only picked up it after people want to point it out. Um, even the landscape of all monsters attack feels almost, I have to be honest, I have to put it bluntly, dystopian in a way, the setting, mm-hmm. like the really rundown buildings, the smog, the pollution. It's one of Honda's in terms of like visual style, and having seen quite a lot, like Blue Pearl and Skin the South, it's one of Honda's ugliest films. It's very bleak. In terms of, uh, in terms of the settings. Yep. And I think that's on purpose. And I think it's part of the criticism of what happened if capitalism goes a bit too far. Yep. It's very subtle with that a- aspect of it. Eric brought that up in our episode where mm-hmm. the real world scenes are very bleak. There's a very kind of yeah. dirty hue to the cinematography. But then Monster mm-hmm. Island is very bright and vibrant. Right. So yeah. Ichiro is kind of getting into that escapism, which, as we all do, it's obviously all mm-hmm. brighter and more lifelike there. Yeah. And I think it's a really intelligent move to structure the film's setting to even reflect your scenes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on, which I guess brings me into my other thing, like, like Tom was mentioning in terms of like child figures. Um, something interesting I really found in this movie is is the end where Shinpei's like Minya to children now could be considered a form of a god. And I think that's kind of an interesting reflection from Honda, who was raised by a Buddhist priest. 
on his reflection of, in a way, Japan changing, it feels like to me, hmm. by saying, yeah, this stuff now holds more merit to, to children than what one would usually consider to be God. And I think that's an interesting perspective because I don't even think it's being critical. I think it's more just a realistic look at what's happening. And Honda just saying, yeah, without anyone to guide them, they look to what's around them. And Honda obviously saw that for a lot of kids, that was Minya and Godzilla. And I think it's a neat reflection on the cultural stamp that Honda's work in a way creation left on society and culture, especially among children at the time. Hmm. I just think that I think that, that that's an interesting element that he added to it. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. If anyone would like to comment on that, I'll, I'll open up to everybody. Um, yeah, I actually agree with that. It's kind of an interesting commentary because um, mm-hmm. there's there's always been popular culture, but we've mm-hmm. lived in an area in a era, I should say, mm-hmm. where yeah. pop culture has become more and more in your face, or for you see really mm-hmm. see the weight of kind of like what popular culture characters hold over mm-hmm. people. In the 60s and 70s was really an era where you started to see that reflected in media mm-hmm. as a kind of yeah. rising influence and power. So, like, for American kids that do, like, comic book characters, mm-hmm. cartoons like Mickey Mouse, and for Japanese mm-hmm. kids that was, you know, uh, Astro Boy and Godzilla. Mm-hmm. So, it's f- fascinating to kind of see, like, a work exploring mm-hmm. that influence Mm-hmm. Crash, do you have anything to add, or, or do you agree with us? <laughs> I, I pretty much think just saying I agree with you guys. I don't know much more I can contribute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Crash. I know we're getting very deep here. <laughs> um, uh, David, did you have anything to say to that point? No, I, I think you're. I think you're right. I think there's just something where, mm-hmm. you know, with these kids growing up, and you're talking about like media and all that, like that's going to be more relatable to them than the traditions and the religions that the adults had. And I mean, again, yeah. you know, yeah. as I don't know if you have seen Matongo, but that's a very similar... I have. Yeah, that's a very similar critique there, you know, as <laughs> Japan is becoming very westernized. And unfortunately, there's not much you can do about it now. So it's kind of, <laughs> you know, do you hold on to those traditions? Do you change? It's it's a constant dilemma. Our generation <laughs> deals with it too in different ways. Yeah. So, but I just, I never really thought about <laughs> it in that context. I was like, mm-hmm. huh, yeah, that actually does make sense. And I think it's interesting to see that Westernization evolution in such a short period of time, because in King Kong versus Godzilla, you have this underlying theme of Westernization creeping in. Like, like with a really subtle example, like you have the characters eating sandwiches, which is a very Western food. Mm-hmm. And now, not even 10 years later, you have such a Western idea and change. And I think it's interesting to view the Godzilla films from the 60s in that light, how they're kind of showing Japan's change of the country and culture. Because when you start back in 54, and then you end in 75 with the Showa era, there's been a lot of change, and I think that's an interesting aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I guess I'll lead us into our other theme, which is, of course, there's a very strong theme of growing up and adulthood in this film. And when I stayed with the robbers was, I feel like the robbers almost represent growing up 
and how once Ichiro beats the robbers, he grows up. He's no longer wimp, quote unquote wimpy. He's no longer like sad about his parents to the same level. He's very accepting of it. He tells his mom in a very authoritative voice, "Yeah, I know, but I'm 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 good now. I can take care of myself." And I think that's an interesting dichotomy between Ichiro at the start of the film and Ichiro at the end of the film. So, Ton, do you have anything to say about the film's um, uh, messages of growing up? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of an interesting thing with a lot of Japanese media is the Japanese idea of passionate is mm-hmm. similar to kind of the idea we have in America, but also different. Like in mm-hmm. Japan, a man is a guy who you know handles his own problems and stands on his own. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who sees injustice and responds to it. Mm-hmm. Like and what I found interesting is kind of how there's an interesting bit of visual storytelling. So, like, mm-hmm. Gabra starts off as, you know, mm-hmm. representation of the bully. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of, you know, ties between Gabra and Monster Gabra and the boy. But then, mm-hmm. Nitro's find the robbers. Mm-hmm. One the, the leader of them who has the knife, he turns into Gabra for a moment. Mm-hmm. Nichiro's mm-hmm. mind. Mm-hmm. That's what Nichiro comes from. So it's interesting, like, mm-hmm. it kind of feels like, in a way, that's like Ichiro realizing what mm-hmm. his real problems in life are, not some kid who needs him, mm-hmm. but like adults who, you mm-hmm. know, are a danger to him. Yeah. The, there's bigger things in the world, I guess, is what. Yeah. And. And I feel like that ties into the fact that by the end of the movie, he's able to easily beat Gabra, the kid, and not even really worry too much about it. Um, David, do you have any thoughts on the film's scenes of growing up? I don't think he does. I'm, I'm kind uh. of that contrarian where, so I was telling <laughs> you with the Gabra thing. So right off the yeah. bat, obviously he's been bullied, right? This isn't the first time he's mm-hmm. been bullied. So he's kind of getting into this mindset of, well, I'm going to view the bull. I don't remember what his actual name is, but I'm going to view him as Gabra, as a toad. That's how he views this person. Oh, 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 David, not to cut you off, but it's really funny because the kid's name is also Gabra. Yeah, well, he's got a real name, but that's just the nickname he gives. Okay, true. Yeah, so I just, I can't remember what it is. So, you know, but that's Mm -hmm. that's his mentality is he's our, well, I'm going to view this guy as a monster, right? So... It, it's kind of that interesting dynamic there. So obviously, yes, he manages to defeat the the uh, the robbers quite non-violently, which is interesting yeah. to me. But then you have that dynamic after he leaves his mother, which there is a version of the movie that ends with the mother crying. And honestly, I, I kind of wish it would have ended there because you get to this point where, <laughs> yes, he does stand up for himself. And even the standing up for himself, that's not necessarily problematic for me. This is where I don't feel like he necessarily changes or grows up because now he's riding this high of, well, wow, you know, I've learned to fight my own battles. And he goes and he, you know, honks the horn on the painter guy. He's, it's not just a playful thing. Mm-hmm. Now he's doing the thing that the bullies were telling him to well, do. told him to do. Yeah. yeah so it's this he weird gave him the peer pressure. Yeah. It's this weird dynamic there. And then, of course, once that happens, he runs away and he mm-hmm. wants his dad to apologize for him. And he kind of goes back to yeah. where he was at before. So 
Mm-hmm. Like we talked on our episode, like as an adult, I can view it differently. But as a kid's movie, I don't like the way they portray him. I don't think it's really <laughs> for a kid. I, it, it's not clear enough to really kind yeah. of delineate. So I don't think he necessarily like grows up in the sense of changing his mm-hmm. personality or changing his mentality. But of course, mm-hmm. being kidnapped is going to make him grow up a little bit. But yeah. I, I don't think it's really as black and white of a, a maturation or a mm-hmm. change as people mm-hmm. have presented it to be. Mm-hmm. Though I do kind of wonder, Alma David, if that's cultural. Mm-hmm. Because I know in Japan, I hate that I have to bring this show up. No offense to anyone who likes it, but in My Hero Academia, <laughs> the way the bullying in that show is solved mm-hmm. is by the main character kicking the bully's ass and winning his respect. Yeah. So, and I kind of have to wonder if that's a cultural thing there. Well, I mean, that's that's American just, films mm-hmm. too, though. I mean, you're always going to yeah, stand true. up to the bully, but the thing is, mm-hmm. it's usually left at that, right? It's it's yeah. the it's the thing he does after that that makes it kind of seem mm-hmm. like oh, oh you know mm-hmm. okay where yeah. where are you really at in your headspace here? Yeah. But it is easy mm-hmm. to be anachronistic though with that and be like yeah. oh well, I'm a I'm in the you know year mm-hmm. 2020. This is how I perceive it, and you can't really mm-hmm. do that. Yeah, and but only thing that I will say though is because also um in Boku no Hero Academia, my Hero Academia, not to be a weeb, <laughs> um, <laughs> too late. The, yeah, they they are saying with the main character and the bully, oh, you two should be friends. You work great together, et cetera, et cetera. So I do kind of wonder if that's also cultural, mm-hmm. where you befriend the bully and it's here that that to show, hey, look, guys, I'm good with you. Like a chorus from our 2020 American viewpoint, it's like, oh my god, what the hell? Yeah, that poor painter guy did nothing wrong to you. He's just trying to paint. He's trying to make a living. But then to Japan, of course, um that might mean something different yeah. because there's a big scene of befriending your enemies in, in Japanese mythology and folklore and stories as a whole. I get like even, um, Oh, sorry. Go no, on. I just, I guess I just struggle with it. And Eric put it really well. It's like this, mm-hmm. he's creative, right? Look at all the ways he yeah. solved how to defeat freaking robbers. And he doesn't know how mm-hmm. to solve his problem with Gabber without fighting. So that's just kind of this, yeah. it's this weird dissonance of like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm being critical of a kids movie, but hey, that's <laughs> our our podcast wouldn't exist if we weren't doing that. So Yeah. Yeah. I I I I agree though. It's definitely one of the issues I have with it because it's still a little bit weird. Even if I've kind of grown to look at it a little bit fondly just because of how silly it is. Mm-hmm. But with that ending specifically, like just like the panther running after him and saying, Dad, I'm gonna tell him I'm sorry. Like it's like it, it's a little bit charming for me, even if like if it was done now, I'd be like, I decided I had very hard, but for the 1969, it's like, uh, whatever. Yeah. yeah. I do kind of wonder if it's like maybe kind of a way to say, mm-hmm. as a way to have his parents become more proactive in his life. Mm-hmm. Just a thought that came to me now. Crash, I'm so sorry that that we've been going film nerd on you. That's fine. I'm I'm fully I'm fully busting out all my Jacob Burns film analysis. That's fine. I mean, it's a podcast. It's kind of like... <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Crash. <laughs> good. Which I guess also brings me into the fandom's reception too, which I think is a good um a final thing to talk about before we close out. And for me, I think part of why the fandom's so hard on this movie. I feel like more than almost any other movie besides Megalon, 
is because it just was not advertised right mm-hmm. in, in, in the States at first. Because I, I was looking on my David because you posted the American theme song for it. And 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 the background image for that um, on YouTube shows like I, I'd imagine it must be original advertising, and like it is so unlike the movie because like it says, "See prehistoric monsters crawl out the hidden depths of the earth and take revenge against the living," and like that is not this movie at all. Not at <laughs> not all. all. And I think that's part of the issue because the movie was originally, from what I read on Wikizilla, going to be released as Minya, son of Godzilla. Hmm. And I think that's a much more fitting title, but apparently it didn't test well under that title, so they changed it. Monsters Attack is still kind yeah. of a weird name. <laughs> yeah, it is weird, but the original Japanese version of it, which is Godzilla Gaver Minya O Monsters Attack, makes a little bit more sense. It's still a little odd title-wise. I don't know why they had so many issues with the title, but it's not as bad, in my opinion, as Godzilla's Revenge. Oh, not at all. <laughs> And I guess I'd be curious to hear on a ton what you think about the fandom's reaction to it. So, honestly, I'm not that surprised by it. Um, mm-hmm. I, the, I guess the thing is, oh man, I don't want to sound like I'm talking crap. Like, <laughs> Just talk that like, crap. Got, do it. <laughs> yeah, alright, fine. Like, there's a, there's a section of Godzilla fans that's always going to be here for, you know, the wow, cool kaiju fights kind of mm-hmm. things. Like they want the big monsters throwing each other in the buildings, blowing stuff up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. So when you have these experimental, slower, more introspective Godzilla movies like uh, the anime mm-hmm. Godzilla's um comics over Shin Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Just the Godzillas that don't follow the usual plot of big monsters big fight, mm-hmm. big slow. And here you have stock footage and a f- fights that have Minya and already like mm-hmm. divisive character. And mm-hmm. they're not as high quality as the rest of these for understandable mm-hmm. reasons. So I think mm-hmm. that kind of like disappointment where if you go into this expecting a big monster fight and get that Oh, man, I'm yeah. While I watch this, so I feel like that's probably why the fandom kind of has rejected this mm-hmm. Yeah, Crash, you're new, so I'm curious to hear what do you think on the fans' reaction to it, and, and if you can sympathize with it. I know you're not huge on it. <laughs> I'd say they probably kind of felt the way I did. I guess. And mm-hmm. I, of course, I wouldn't say it's not a bad movie, not at all. It's just not what I was mm-hmm. expecting. Because obviously yeah. we're nine movies in, <laughs> I kind of like got a feel for the gods. Ten formula. actually, and this this it's kind of like a big departure. Is it considered yeah. a main entry? Even I guess it is. Yes, it is. Yeah, it stands out a lot. Despite the fact, despite the fact that Toho cut it from HBO Max's deal, <laughs> I was just reason. about to say that I was so pissed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's the only one that's not on there in any form. And from what I've heard, because I've heard before that Toho is a shameless movie. I have a feeling that's why, and that really disappoints me. Because this is one of Honda's favorites, actually. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what the fuck, Toho? <laughs> and like, but anyways, David. Oh, sorry, uh, go on, Crash. <laughs> continue yeah, first. I was just saying, and like, probably just because of that fact, it's so weird. I, it's better to jump mm-hmm. in its own merits as opposed to like yeah. Godzilla film on its own, because that's not what it's trying to be. It's mm-hmm. just trying to be its own thing. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. probably where, I guess, why it was so divisive, I imagine. Mm-hmm. People went in there expecting yeah. Godzilla fighting, and they got like a grounded, more childlike experience. 
about growing up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, David, I know you have a lot to say about the fandom slots on this movie. Um, Really, I get why people don't like it. It's kind of, I think we've all said mm-hmm. that. But yeah, as, as we asked on our episode, is it fair to ask something of a movie it's not willing to give, right? So mm-hmm. I think if we're... If we actually watch movies outside of the three that we like, you know, if you look at Honda's yeah. backlog, you know, you have movies like Mothra, Atragon, Natongo, mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. uh, Frankenstein Conquers the World. Um, you mm-hmm. already see that he's not making the same movie over and over and over again. So with yeah. this, it shouldn't be a surprise that it's not a normal Godzilla film. You're right, though. The, the American marketing is mm-hmm. atrocious for it. It does not make mm-hmm. any sense. Um, even the title, I think Chris and I agreed that All Monsters Attack actually makes more sense for Destroy All Monsters than Destroy yeah. All Monsters does. Um, yeah. But I can get why people don't like it. My only mm-hmm. concern is when people say it's not a good movie. They say that there's no depth. They say mm-hmm. that, oh, it's a yeah. good idea. It just doesn't have the execution. I'm like, by what standards? I mean... Yeah. Ultimately, if you really look at it from a film, not just a Godzilla movie, mm-hmm. it is a good film. Mm-hmm. It's, it's shot well. Yeah. Uh, I, I butchered his name on our episode, but the composer here is the same guy that did music for uh, from Ultra mm-hmm. Q and Ultraman. He does. Uh, oh, interesting. He does the Godzilla march later on in Godzilla vs. Gigan. So, like, he's mm-hmm. a good composer. I love the music's. The effects good. The mm-hmm. acting's great. I mean, it's got Kenji Sahara, so I'm never going to complain about that. Yeah. So, but from a film perspective, it's a good movie. You just have to let mm-hmm. yourself take it for what it is. And if you can yeah. do that, I'm not saying that like you have to give it a 10 out of 10. But when I see people say mm-hmm. it's the worst Godzilla movie out of the series, I'm just like, I mean, if you really feel that way, I'll give that to you. But I just, I don't see how it could be yeah. when, I mean, I don't know. We got Godzilla raids again. Like, it's, yeah. Uh, oh, crash! We all hate that here. So, so you go. Yeah. And it's not even that bad of a movie. But I, I would watch this one. I, honestly, mm-hmm. I'd watch this one over the majority of the '90s ones, just because I think it's a fun film. I think oh, it's well I made. Not, I'm, I'm not trying yeah. to be a dick. I'm just being honest. Like, there's just there's a there's yeah. a heart in it that you don't really get with mm-hmm. some of these later films, even even in the '70s. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I I'd I'd agree. Like. For me, and I guess I'll start our closing thoughts now because we're gonna get really close. But I don't want to cut anyone Wait, off because say, this has been um, the part oh, of the yeah. movie where okay. Gabbard punches Minya really fucking hard. It was really fucking funny. Remember that? <laughs> it, there was a lot of yeah. weight in that punch. It was pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, I guess I'll start closing thoughts now, and I'll I'll start with myself because we're kind of getting very close to the end. <laughs> um, but I'll say. Really, for me, the reason why Old Monsters Attack, I really love it. And like I think I said, because honestly, I can generally say, and I'm really impressed by it, but I guess I'm not too surprised because we have someone who, in my opinion, gets some of the best somatic dives into these films on, 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 on the internet right now, in my opinion, if not the best. But David here oh, thanks. Um, is, is the fact that this episode, to me, is the deepest one we've done since Gojira. <laughs> Eclipsing, yeah. eclipsing Astro Monster, <laughs> because we because we got pretty deep with Astro Monster, King Kong vs. Godzilla, but I think with this movie, there's so much somatic depth to it and historical depth to it, and it's such an intrinsically Japanese film 
that it has to be appreciated for what it is and for what Honda was doing with it. And I think sometimes when we have the Godzilla glasses on, we're like, where's Matra? Where's King Ghidorah? Where's Barragon? Et cetera, et cetera. We kind of miss miss the tree because we're looking for the forest. And I think this is one really impressive movie on its own realm, especially with the behind the scenes stuff that went into it. So I really appreciate this film for what it is. Absolutely. Um, Crash. Yes. Do you want to give me your closing thoughts on, on this? <laughs> I would say, yeah, you guys probably opened my eye on this one a lot. It's like, it, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's not like I ever said it was a bad movie. Not at all. I guess yeah. I just found it kind of boring, especially compared to all mm-hmm. the ones we've seen. But like I said, mm-hmm. it's got a base on its own merit and what it's trying to do. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's probably not Godzilla movie I'll go back to anytime soon, personally. It's definitely mm-hmm. a good one, I'd say. Especially with everything yeah. you guys have said. <laughs> a lot more depth than I saw <laughs> when I watched it. So I can yeah. definitely respect that. I think if you can acknowledge, like, hey, it's not my movie, but I can appreciate mm-hmm. it, I respect that a lot more than sure. most of what I've heard. Yeah. Crash is good with that because we've had now two episodes in a row where he hasn't been huge on the movie. <laughs> Actually, no, this makes three episodes in a row now where he hasn't been huge on it. Trilogy. But he's been able to admit, yeah, but he hasn't been able to admit that he gets why people like it. All right, Tom, do you want to give me your closing thoughts on All Monsters Attack? Yeah, sure. So, uh, like, like you've kind of been discussed, it's like, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend this to a casual Godzilla fan, but for a more <laughs> hardcore Godzilla fan, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, I'll always respect, you know, an earnest movie that does what it sets out to do. And All Monsters Attack is that. Is it big? Is it epic? No, not really. But it is charming. It's very Japanese. It's very unique and mm-hmm. worth checking out. Uh, if you like, if you're in the movies at all, it's worth watching as it's own. All right, David, do you want to give me your closing thoughts on All Monsters Attack? Yeah, I've got uh, one sentence. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> That's about it. Oh, my gosh. That's very fitting to close it off on. Um, David, where can people find you? Uh, so we uh, we do have a website, actually. It's uh, thekaijuapostle.com. We are on mm-hmm. Twitter at, well, at kaijuapostlepod. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really about it. We don't do Instagram or Facebook mm-hmm. or anything apart from yeah. that. So we're, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we try to stay pretty active on Twitter. Centralized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're on Twitter. David, as Eric asked me to call you, you are the, you are the Godzilla fandom grandpa. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. You keep, you, you keep us all leveled on there. Just like, just like the old man in this movie. Oh, I'm glad Helping to hear that. <laughs> Helping all of us youngins out. All right, everyone. This was a slightly longer episode than usual by three minutes because we got really deep. But I'm, I really appreciated having David on. So thank you for coming on, David. Thank I you know so you much. Very this busy. was a blast. It was. All right, everyone. As I do my usual radio announcer voice, by the fact that we're not a radio show. <laughs> Have a good night and thank you for listening.